So welcome to my story, welcome to Coffee Talk, and um, welcome to my talk. I'm going to sit for a minute, <laughs> and then I'll bounce around all over the place. Um, as Tiffany said, my name is Darcy Kendrick, and I've been a member here for quite a while, and I am leaving a legacy of love. <laughs> as you see there, I am loving and learning and, and leaving a legacy of love. When Tiffany asked me about speaking with you today, which I feel is a privilege because we're closing out the season of arise and shine and your light is upon you and the glory of God rises upon you, has been a message that's been carried with me now for six months since Tiffany asked me to, to um, speak. And I feel like it's here. It's, it's, we're here. I'm here. You're here. <laughs> Spring is here. <laughs> the last, this last message of Coffee Talk um, is here, and, I, and Easter's almost here. And so I feel like this is a, some, kind of a symbolic day for me, and kind of a sad day for me, because I've been walking with the Lord for the last six months. And he's entered into my life in a way that I kind of surprised me and forgot about. And um, see, I just spring a tear or two every time I talk about God. <laughs> So it might get messy up here, so I'm going to do tissue. <laughs> so anyway, I just think that what I'm learning and what I've learned is just my relationship with the Lord has continued to change over time. And what I grew up starting with God has clearly been transformed. And being on this earth for 52 years, I have things to say. <laughs> and so... So I am, I've just celebrated my 24-year anniversary. You can put up that slide of my family. I'm married to Bob Kendrick. <laughs> That's my family, Bob Kendrick and Olivia. She's now 11. That's a couple years old, so I might look a little bit older today. Um, anyway, um, God blessed me with an amazing marriage of 24 years and a daughter who's now 11. And... Uh, Okay. <laughs> I'm also a chiropractor. Um, well, first of all, I want to talk about I am part of the children's ministry, as Pastor Diana said, and it's an awesome ministry to belong to. And um, we, my husband and I both share in teaching the kids K through 12 or K through 6. And um, if, you, if your child comes home and says a crazy guy with a funny wig on and glasses who acts crazy, that would be my husband. And... <laughs> He has no shame when it comes to being crazy. And I am the worship coordinator, and I've been blessed to put, um, like, actions and, because I'm a cheerleader at heart, I get to be the cheerleader with the kids. <laughs> and so we come up with these amazing um, hand motions and dance motions to our worship songs, so I've been a part of that ministry. So if you want to serve, it's an amazing place to serve. And then I'm also a chiropractor. I've been in chiropractor for 15 years, and... I work, uh, my practice is on church and mission, and um, you can put up the next slide. My claim to fame is I adjusted Ricky Lake. <laughs> and my other claim to fame is I work on the pastoral staff, primarily uh, Pastor Terry. <laughs> He's my other celebrity. Um, <laughs> so I was blessed um, to be called into this passion of serving through chiropractic through a very difficult time of my life, which that's how God enters in. And God enters into our life. We're in our low spaces. 
and God is able to facilitate and um, meet us at that place. He, he meets us at our most accessible place, <laughs> which it kind of is hard to think I have to be in my lowly place to have God as, as, assess me or access me and give me the wisdom that I need to live out this life that he calls me to live. But that's what he did with chiropractic. I was in a tough place in my life, and I'll share that with you, where he spoke into this, and now I get to serve my community, I get to serve my family, and I absolutely adore what I do. So if you walk by my office on the corner of Church and Clipper and you see kids pressed against the window and you see maybe dogs running around and it's this almost looks like a pillow flight inside my office, that is where I get to work. <laughs> I also um, identify myself as a weeble wobble. Does everyone know what a weeble wobble is? <laughs> For those of you who don't know weeble wobbles, they're these little toys that you can throw them against the wall and they don't fall down. You can dunk them in water and they don't fall down. You can kip, kick them across the floor and you, they don't fall down. And that's me. I'm a weeble wobble. <laughs> and I didn't know I was a weeble wobble until I looked at my life and I thought, wow, you are a weeble wobble. So, <laughs> so <laughs> good and bad. God blessed me with an amazing amount of faith and optimism. And I have been able to use that faith in my life <laughs> and the optimism. And I think that's also why I get to serve in chiropractic, because I get to kind of step in for people in their pain and, you know, become their cheerleader. And so this scripture, arise, shine. It's arise, comma, shine, for your light and the glory of God will rise upon you. And, and really going through the scripture and praying about what God wanted me to say to you, I really felt the Lord was saying, it's the arise piece, Darcy, I want you to focus on, because none of that will happen unless we arise, unless we show up. And I thought, you know, you are so right, God. <laughs> Why do I ever doubt that? <laughs> and what I did feel, what I love about the scripture is I am a cheerleader at heart, and this is one of God's cheers for us. God is going, arise, just come on, arise. Come on, arise. Just arise. Come on, just arise. You know, and there's so many reasons for us not to arise. And so when I listened, I, I meditate on this verse, and then I go into my cheerleading mode, and I thought, oh my gosh, that is so right. I'm the one that is cheering people on. You know, I want you to win. I love success stories. I love to hear about victories. I my heart is full when I hear a victory story, when I can step in and help someone or pray over someone or be a part of that story. I get to witness God's power in your life. And that is such a grateful, that's such a powerful thing for me. And I think that's what I love about being the children's ministry. I don't know what seeds I lay down. I have no idea until you're sitting in the taco shop across the street and some little kid comes up to you and starts talking about the crazy thing that you performed in front of them, you know, six years ago. Well, if that's the seed I get to leave for these kids and the light that shines in me, that's what's so powerful. God came not to be served, but he came to serve. Jesus came to serve. And he never called us to say, serve me. It's about to serve. Our light shines when we serve. And how do we do it? We love God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and then we get to love each other as we do ourselves. period. That's it. That's what you will be. Darcy did a great job. How, how well did you love? 
How well, how well did you love through the circumstance that could possibly keep you down and be stuck? And so I, I, I deal a lot with scar tissue because I, you know, in chiropractic, we deal with a lot of immobility issues. And people will come into my office not, you know, in pain generally, and it's usually because they can't walk because something's stuck or something got injured and it's not moving along. It's not moving them along. So I get to work on these bodies, and when I get into it, I realize it's not just an immobility issue, it's a scar tissue. And scar tissue is a tissue that wraps around a joint or a muscle or something that's been injured as a form of protection, but it hasn't let go. And so it stays there, and the more it doesn't let go, the stickier it gets, and the more it accumulates. And I just, that resonated with me so much about this arise on how much scar tissue do we have in our life where we're not going moving forward. Because it's not about staying in that spot. Because this life is going to be, it's so, they want, this, the forces of this world wants us to stay in our spot, whatever that spot is. But, but to move along and keep moving along and keep moving along, our place to shine, our place to shine, our place to shine, that's where God gets to be glorified. Ann Voskamp, who's one of my favorite authors of all time, said this. We have absolutely, absolutely only one decision to make every day. How will I use my time? How do I want to live? And how do I really live? Don't let the schedule anesthetize you, the routine, and the headlines numb you out of the miracle of life. Don't let your, ex your experiences and your past circumstances keep you out of living out your miracle of life. There's a miracle of life happening, happened. You're here. You're right here. <laughs> God created us in his image. We have God's power inside of us. Sorry, I wasn't supposed to pound my chest. I said I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I'm a slapper, not a pounder. <laughs> I'm a weeble wobble. <laughs> if I get too nervous, I'm just going to say I'm a weeble wobble, and then you'll know that it calms me down and all is good. So I read, I just finished this great little novel called All the Lights We Cannot See, and it's a beautiful book. And in this passage, it was such a beautiful juxtaposition about how we're created or how the cells come together in creation, and then what happens when we exit the world. And it says this, we all come into existence as a single cell, smaller than a speck of dust, much smaller. Divide, multiply, add and subtract. Matter changes hands, atoms flow in and out, molecules pivot, proteins stitch together, mitochondria send out their oxidative dictates, and we begin as a microscopic electrical storm. That is so awesome. The lungs, the brain, the heart, 40 weeks later, six trillion cells get crushed in the vice of our mother's birth canal, and we howl. And then the world starts in on us. Wow. I thought, wow, could you set it any better? <laughs> could you made God's plan and the divine creation of who we are be so beautiful and intricate and tiny and magical and explosive and beyond our wildest imagination of how that comes together, and then we get left with, and the world comes in on us? Well, that is true. And but that's not God's truth. That's not how he sees us. 
He sees us beyond that little crushed ball of cells. He sees us beyond everything that we settle into this world, as Anne Voskamp said. Don't let those things anesthetize us out of the miracle of life. God's power of how he sees us and what he wants to move us through is how we shine. And that piece between arise and shine in that comma, the more scar tissue we have, the bigger gap that is between our shine. The less scar tissue we remove, because it is a removal process. Scar tissue lands on us every single day through the stress of our life and what we hear. We don't even know what we pick up. We pick up all these things from the news and stories and sadness, and it, and it stays inside and it starts to accumulate. But it's what are we willing to let go of every single day? It's an enormous exercise. And there's this piece in there called faith, the faith of a mustard seed. Jesus said, that's all you need. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so hard. Just a mustard seed, really? It's the faith. The faith in the arising, which turns into the belief of our arising, tells everything to God what you believe in him, to do the things in us that he's calling us to do, not because we can do it ourselves. But I have to start with my mustard seed of faith every single day, and I have to say, uh-uh, I'm not going to let that, I'm not going to let the scar tissue in. I just can't. Sometimes it starts to set in, and I don't, you know, the more power I know God has and I trust in him, the quicker that starts to be nudged out of me. And then I start to say, okay, now I'm shining today. But it's a, it can, sometimes it's a moment by moment. Sometimes it's a half a day to a half a day. Sometimes it's a full day. Sometimes it can be a full week where I'm just feeling sh I'm, on, I'm shining. But I think what happens is that when those little things start to tease in, we don't even know. I think it's important that, you know, as I'm going to share with you even, um, down the road about my life, about using God's word using words, the power of words, to keep the scar tissue from formulating. And if it's there, how to get it out? Because God manifests the power of who he is through the power of his word. And that is where my faith comes in, sisters. <laughs> I have used God's power even though I didn't even know God. I, didn't, I had a little inkling. I was a little child in my big grown-up body. And I wasn't even religious. I wasn't even going to church. I didn't have to be super spiritual and religious to get God to come to me and say, this is, what, this is what I have for you. It's about your accessibility, your ability to go low so God can come to us. So talking about the power of words, I recently heard that God has over 7,000 promises in the Bible for us. And I thought, oh my gosh, 7,000 promises for us. That's probably not even the half of it. That's just what's in the Bible. God revealed to me a while ago in the book of Isaiah. This is another powerful Isaiah verse. 66, verse 5. My thoughts are not your thoughts, Darcy. And my, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways. And let's just that be the theme of your life, okay? Let's just put that as your banner, okay, Darcy? Can you do that? And I go, okay. All right, so every time I feel in lowly, okay, God, my thoughts. So I can't see. It keeps me from trying to see it through the lens of my eyes and focusing on the lens of God's eyes. Because he, I know, through reading his word and believing and having that faith, that there is something greater beyond anything that I can see. So I talk about the power of words. And we sung about the power of words. And we are, God reveals himself through the power of his word to us. 
And then he reveals himself to the power of what we get to see, the majesty of what we get to step out in every single day and see the beauty of what he created for us, which is another point of inhale, exhale, oh my gosh, thank you so much, right? So Isaiah 55, 11 said, so is my word that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. That's a good word and a bad word. Any word goes out and achieves the purpose for which you desire. Now, sometimes we don't know, but that's sometimes our scar tissue talking, right? Scar tissue talk is way different than Lord, thank you talk. And so as we speak those words, it manifests, it transforms us from the inside, and it creates this reality for us on the outside. So God's word is what transforms us from the inside so that we speak out what we don't see on the outside. And so when we use this tool, this amazing tool in our life, that God's word to move through us, through our circumstances, we actually get to see manifest God's glory upon us. We are shining whether we know it or not. And that's what keeps the scar tissue away. So I have different themes in my life. And um, it's interesting, when I was putting this together, I kind of, on a graph, I put me in the middle. And then as I was going through my life story, I was going through the chart of the ups and the downs, right? <laughs> and then I put, I splint off words or things that were given to me so I could kind of visually see how, how I was doing and where I was going and to be reminded of how God was in my life and all, and all my circumstances. And it's interesting because I was sort of down below in my graph and my, my waves are going up and down. And I, every time I leaned on the Lord, I started to arise, but I still stayed consistent with the Lord. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is the best exercise. I need to copyright this exercise and I need to send it out so everyone <laughs> has their own little chart. You got, you need, everyone needs to do this. You need to remember where God has put you through. And if you don't see it, this is where we're going to pray in for God to change that way you see things today. And the other thing, too, is I really hope and pray that we are able to take some of the things and the words that we want to manifest, and we're going to give it to the Lord, and I want us to believe in something better and bigger for ourselves the way God sees it. That is my help for today. So first theme of my life is the bubble theme. <laughs> You know, bubbles can be popped, right? So this bubble didn't get popped yet. So I grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah, and I grew up in the Mormon religion. Some of you already know some of this story, but I'm going to give you more details today, so it was good you came to the second half of my... <laughs> and I grew up as a Mormon, and I lived in this bubble, and it was a nice, cozy bubble. It's an amazing community where the, everything pretty much is prepared for you. You just have to come up to the table, and even your life, the way your life is set out for you is that way. And my relationship with God at the time was almost like if I wore this particular sweater, as long as I wore this sweater and did the things and, and stayed on this sweater and showed up to these events, then my relationship would, would grow with God. That's the way my relationship, what, that's what I viewed it as. And so it was very much this bubble phase where I didn't really know God is the same God that I know today. And I know it's because I've lived out years on this, this earth and I've had other experiences, but at that time, I couldn't quite see myself the way the Mormon religion saw me serving God. So as I grew up, I feel like I was growing out of this sweater. 
the sweater got too small for me. And so as I was entering college, I, re I made an absolute decision and I said to God, you know, I'm not going to leave you, but I'm going to put the sweater aside right here and I'm going to step out and start to explore you in a different way. Now, I didn't know what that different way was going to be. I just said, okay, I'm just going to, you know, I'll pray to you and I'll read great spiritual books and all these things. But I really never considered picking up the Bible even. I just, you know, I just would talk to God a little bit and it would feel good and cozy, but it wouldn't really last. But I knew that I couldn't put that sweater back on. So I graduated, I went to hotel management, and I graduated at the University of Utah with hotel management degree, thinking that that was my path in life. And that did serve its purpose for a while. And then I came to San Francisco in December of 1988 to come Christmas shopping. And I met my now husband, Bob, who obviously was waiting for me. <laughs> He's like, you are the girl I've always dreamed of. No, that's not true. <laughs> Wow, where have you been all my life? No, that didn't happen either. So, <laughs> but, you know, it was one of those moments where I saw this man that, that God kept me focused on this man. And five months later, I moved to San Francisco, May of 1989, which was right before the 1989 earthquake. Thank you very much, San Francisco. And um, I got a job in the hotel industry and now I'm still living in this bubble. I'm living in the high-life San Francisco bubble because my husband's in the investment banking world and he's making a bunch of money, more money than I could even think about being from Utah. And so we traveled a lot and, and we, I shopped downtown those fancy um, department stores and I, we drove a fancy car. I mean, not that that's all bad. That's a really good. I think it's great. <laughs> I love those creature comforts. <laughs> But we were living this life really for us, and, and I was very for, fortunate to marry a man who loved the Lord as well, but we really weren't practicing our faith at the time, because it was all about us. I'll say that. It was all about us. And um, one day that bubble got popped, and that bubble got popped when my husband and his firm, his investment banking firm, was handed a, I don't know, I guess it's a lawsuit telling them that they were being investigated by a grand jury with possible indictment for fraudulent activities that they suspected they were doing in their firm. Now, when they, but what was interesting about this story is that they were pointing all their fingers at my husband because he was part of the brokerage trading where they bought and sold stocks. So he was just doing his job, but apparently there was a, there was a company that, the comp that his company had involved himself with that I guess had a colorful past, but my husband didn't know it. But because my husband was young and probably way too egotistical for his own good, a prosecutor that's very hungry starts to wear you down and starts to say things to you, and you start to incorporate, like, really, are we that? And so you walk around with shame, and you walk around with this disbelief that someone that someone think people are saying things about you that are not true. And where do you stand with that? when you're in your early 30s, and we had really no experience other than living high life, right? <laughs> it's like, how did we get here? And why are we being, you know, so we're, the, we're talking about prosecution, we're talking about subpoena, we're talking about indictment, we're talking about imprisonment, we're talking about you now finances, how to support, we had to, we had to funnel all of our money into attorney fees. Well, this is a time when I had quit my job in the hotel industry because I felt God, 
growing me in a different, to get at, to, to move beyond what I was doing. And it wasn't serving our family at the time. So I wasn't working. And I have to say, during this time, it was very, very difficult because we didn't have anywhere to turn. Even though we were lovers of the Lord, we weren't strong. And two amazing things happened during that time that completely transformed my relationship with the Lord. Number one, one of um, Bob's business associates gave me this scripture, Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. And everyone needs to memorize this. I don't know if you're a follower of God or not. You better just memorize this verse. It's the mother, one of the mother loads. It's like, you know, it's, it's like lipstick to me. I put it in my purse, and I don't leave home without this verse. And here I was. I'd never really read the Bible. I didn't have any roots really about who God was except my sweater relationship and my occasional, you know, I guess my occasional prayers to the Lord. But when this verse came to me, it hit me in a way because I now at my lowest point, God's entering into my accessible point to speak to me in a way he needed me to wake up to. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer, petition, and thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. This is what translated to me. Do not, is not, do not be anxious is not an option. I'm saying do not be anxious. But in everything, with prayer, I had to get low and stay low. With thanksgiving, if you look at Christ's miracles, he gave thanks before he did the miracle. His gratitude preceded any miracle. There's something about the thanksgiving that transforms our circumstance, and we must not forget that. Present your request to God, and the peace of God, that is what, that's one of my words, is peace. I need to feel the peace. And when I read that peace transcend my, and will guard my heart and my mind, that means it's a salve to my, my head. It's a salve to what my circumstance is. And I, it kind of kept me from getting too much scar tissue. I mean, I was scarring up pretty darn good right here. But this verse, I could feel myself, allowed me to move forward a little bit. It kept me from being completely locked in and gave me enough breathing room where I said, no, this is your promise. I'm going to believe in this promise. And every time I spoke, I prayed this promise over myself, it would transform the way I was looking at the circumstance. I didn't know what the outcome was going to be. I just knew that there was a greater plan out there. And the second thing that happened is this is what my calling was to go into the profession that I now love and adore. You see, the prosecutors were saying to my husband, if you plead guilty, you'll get four to six years versus eight to 10 years. And we didn't know what the circumstance was going to be. We knew that he wasn't guilty, but you don't know what they're going to try to do to smash you and grind you into a submission, because a lot of people wear out and get tired and just give out. So we, made a, so we didn't know. We hadn't got there yet, but we didn't know exactly how it was going to turn out. But I do remember my husband saying to me, you know, Darcy, I don't know what, how this is going to turn out, but if I go to prison, and I'm there for four to six years, then you go to school, and you get this degree in chiropractic, the field that you're, and, and by the time you get out, I'll be out 
and we'll start life all over again. And so that moment, I was like, you know what? I'm going to believe in this. And that was a hard decision. But I didn't remember that that was the reason why I got into, I chose to go back to school, because this was another five years of my life. And I thought, OK, I'm just going to trust that, that God's got that under control. And so I went to school. And we're dealing with this prosecution. It lasted for seven years. But when you're dealing with a prosecution this big, you, you kind of in it for the first two years, and then it kind of lingers on. And I remember I started school, and that first year of school, I was coming home, and it was rainy outside, and I, I had this despair moment. And I know when we're in, whatever moment we're in, and we're still clinging on to God, those despair moments come in. Satan comes in and just, like, squeezes you. And I was, be, I was, I was gasping for my breath. And I remember crying out to the Lord. I'm driving on the freeway. It's raining outside. And I'm crying out to the Lord. I'm saying, you know, Lord, I don't know if I can do this. You know, this is like, I'm shaking in my boots here. And the Lord of God came into my heart and said to me, Darcy, quit crying right now because it's over. And I knew it. That peace that trans, that peace came upon me. And I knew it that I knew that I knew that God was absolutely right. And I immediately pulled over, and I had a flip phone, and I called my husband, and I said, this is just what happened. And we'd been praying so hard that it wasn't a surprise, but we just, it was almost like, oh my gosh, now what do we do with that? And so after that, it wasn't like the prosecutors called us and said, you know, you're done, you've been released, you know, you've been absolved of this. They just never called back again. They never called to give us any more information they just quit calling. That is a glory hallelujah moment. I mean, amen. You know? And here I'm a baby little creature. I don't know nothing. I know nothing of God's word. I just knew that word. And I knew that praying and praying and praying, that peace came upon me. And so based on that big story, I'm going to have us do our first, our first reflection question, <laughs> which you'll find in your handout. And then we're going to move on. <laughs> And the question is, and it says right there, what are you facing that is fearful, hurtful, anxious, painful? I'm going to say disappointments. Anything that you feel heavy about, it could even be the sadness in the world. It could be anything that you feel that, you're, you, that you are at a loss for words. Anything that you are at a loss for words. I want you to write it down. And then after you've written it down, I want you to write something next to it, whether it be a word, a phrase, a scripture. I want you to write next to it how you want to feel about it. 
not how you see it, but how you want to feel about it. How, what is this word or words that will empower you to look at the situation differently? And then when you're done, I'm going to ask that you commit to this new way of looking at that situation. And any time this thing arises up in you, I want you to throw this word at it and douse it. And believe that God has given you that word to transform how you are looking at this problem so that you can move on and move out of what's possibly a scarring-tissued place. <clears throat> okay, so now we're out of the investigative period of my life. It was all about investigation. <laughs> investigation from the lawsuit, investigation of my, my going into school, investigating me, investigating this new language of chiropractic and medical models and all kinds of stuff. And now we're taken into a season of healing and seed planting. And we quit, quit, we quit talking about the investigation and we moved into graduation. And so during this time, God gave my husband some great jobs. I, I, I say cobbled together some jobs for him <laughs> because that's a devastating thing to go through and have to lift yourself back up and go, oh, now what do I do, you know? Um, but God was able to grow him in ways in another consulting business, and I was able to get through chiropractic school and so now we had just, I had just graduated, and I wasn't long after graduation where, where the Lord put in my heart that it was time to grow a family. And before we got married, my husband has been married before, and he has a son from a previous marriage, and before we got married, he was very honest with me in telling me he wasn't quite sure he wanted any more kids because that was such a painful period for him. He, that was what was his vision. He was using that as his experience of not growing a family. And I didn't think about it at the time. I was young. And then we went through all this process of our life that took out so much of our wind that who wants to have a, thinking about having a baby, you know? But we prayed about it, and we decided that we were going to um, plan to have a child. And it took me two years to get pregnant. And I ended up having my child at 40, the year, at 40, and during that time you hear so many people telling you about how old your body is and how old your eggs are and, you know, how difficult it's going to be, and I just never thought I wasn't going to have it, you know. God put it in my heart, so why wouldn't it happen? So we have this child, Olivia, 
And to this day, Olivia, thank, Bob thanks me every single day for sitting down with him in this one particular restaurant <laughs> with tears rolling down her face on making this decision to have a baby. But one thing that's miraculous, I think, through that is that when he was having his difficulty in his marriage, he went alone to be with the Lord because he was very confused and sad about what he was going through. And he, got, he was given this scripture, Psalm 128. This is one of his scriptures he hung on to that he gave me permission. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in his ways. You will eat the fruit of your labor, and blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house, and your sons will be like olive shoots around your table. This is the man blessed who fears the Lord. Well, I think my husband thought there would be one shoot around the table, not two. <laughs> and so when he got that word, he knew God was going to bless him with another wife. That would be me when I came through his doors, 1988, when he said, oh, you're the woman I've always dreamed of. That's probably really true, but I didn't realize he was looking at Psalm 128. But when the olive shoots around your table, he never th thought there would be more than one shoot. You know, I think he forgot the S on the shoots, but there's shoots around his table. And so <laughs> we have this, we made our own like family emblem um, where we have this olive branch with these olive shoots and it's pretty powerful. So we, we, so God blessed us during this time where I'm now a mom. I just started my practice. Well, I'm gently starting my practice. I now have time to be home to be a mom to Olivia and my husband uh, got into the real estate development. And um, during this time, the real estate market was doing really well. So we were able to get our finances back in order. And some of the projects we did were, you know, when he was growing. And during that time, we were able to purchase this cute little farm outside of Seattle on a Vashon Island. And that was one of our dreams that we had. And we were able to do that. And so things were going great until 2008, 2009, the real estate market crashed. The financial crash happens. And also during this time, my father is dying of cancer. And so these were like Operation Faith mode. As Bob said, no, this is Operation Bob mode. <laughs> he said, your whole talk is about Operation Bob. <laughs> I said, no, we're linked together, honey. So what happened during this time is we panicked. I have to be honest with you, I didn't go right to the Lord and go, okay, Lord, what are we going to do with this? I didn't lay low. I didn't make myself accessible because I was in such panic mode that we just thought, okay, now what do we do? How do we get rid of our stuff, our expenses? What do we cut loose? How can we, you know, stretch our dollars? How can we lessen our expenses? Those are all good and prudent, but it's not what God was having this. That wasn't God's picture now that I know at all. So he allowed us to go through the scrambling process. And we put our house on the market here in San Francisco twice, and it never sold. And we could just see our funds just start draining. My practice isn't, wasn't really flourishing at the time, because I was a new mom. Olivia now was five years old, but I still hadn't put effort into my practice, because I really didn't have to. And so after going through all this craziness, I finally got low. And I finally got to my breaking point because I knew there was nothing else I could do. Things weren't working out according to what we thought was going to happen. And I'm in my prayer, and I'm speaking to the Lord, and um, I'm desperate. And the Lord said to me, Darcy, this situation has nothing to do with you. 
you have to stop and be still and wait on me. And then he gave me these two other scriptures that now are in my purse. They're on my hand. They're in my, on my mirror. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. He said, Darcy, my grace is sufficient enough for you. Amen. Amen. For, your, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. This said to me, Darcy, wait and see what I can do for you. It's okay that you're weak. It's okay. It's all right. I'm here. I got you covered. And then he gave me this other one because I'm a weeble wobble. He knows I need, I need, some, happy, I need some happy verses in my life. <laughs> I need to be like, woohoo. That's why I love the arise. And he said in Romans 15 13, may the God of hope, he said, Darcy, I am your hope. I'm the one that fills you up with all joy and peace but you have to trust in me. And when you trust in me, your hope overflows by the power of the Holy Spirit. You have to trust in me. This isn't about you. All this is not about you. All this is not about us. All this is not about you. It's about what you're willing to do through God's word and the words he plants in your heart that's gonna move you through a situation to show how he can be glorified through you because you stuck it out there with him. You linked arms with God and said, I'm not gonna, okay, I'm not gonna do this without you. As my dear friend who's going through illness said to me in one of her darkest moments, God said, you know what, you're going through it. You can do it with me or you can do it without me, but you're gonna go through it. God gives us the capacity to do it because as that book passage said, the world comes down on us. It squeezes us in and as beautiful as this world is, God illuminates the beauty through the darkness and the hardness. So then we did stop. And what God did through that, he took our loan and modified it to a much more less loan. He took our property on Vashon and he got some really great renters to rent it from us. So we didn't have any expenses there anymore. But then he said this to me, it's time for you to grow, Darcy, in your practice. And let me tell you something, you're going to step into your practice and your community is going to show up for you bigger than you could have possibly imagined. Knowing what I know now and what I'm able to do, I had no idea what I could do, how God prospered me through my practice. I stepped in and I stepped in and I stepped in and I said no to nothing. I gave it everything I had. I said, you know what, this is like, I had to arise in such a big way beyond my wildest dreams, beyond what my physical limitations were. I just kept saying yes to the Lord and he kept filling me up. And I just kept saying yes, and he kept filling me up. Up and up and up and up to the point that I just, I can now feel myself getting tired. And that's when the Lord said, now you got to trust me again. you got to stop. You can't go into poverty consciousness here because you don't think it's going to be filled up. you got to stop and get rest now. And so that was a time where God, I was able to see how God was moving in my life and what I was able to do through God's capacity on pushing out my boundaries and so through Operation Faith, we, we, we got through that. Thank you, Lord. Prospering my business. Thank you, Lord. And now we're in the middle of another change. I'm not going to call it a crisis, but it's a change opportunity. <laughs> During this time, my husband took, um, was able, he, he partnered with a good friend of his who's been in our life for 25 years. 
and they started doing some other real estate development projects. And three years ago, they were able to acquire this amazing camp. Some of you guys have been there called Camp Navarro. It's up near Mendocino, and is up near Mendocino, and it was an old Boy Scout camp that went for sale, and he and some investors were able to buy this camp and turn it into much more like a rustic resort, kind of an adult camp for, a camp for adults, but have corporate retreats and weddings and much more ex expansive than it was as a Boy Scout camp. And this job, this, this particular project was probably one of the best, is the best project my husband's, I, I saw him just illuminate. It's the best thing he's ever done. And his hopes and dreams were all in this, right? Well, three weeks ago, his business partner, friend of 25 years, did a takeover and pushed him out. And that was three weeks ago. And I felt like someone just punched me in the stomach. I've never felt betrayal before. And I know I can't be betrayed, but I felt betrayal. And it hit me at a level below my knees where I just thought, I was like this, okay, now what do I do? You know, one of these moments. But I have to say, what, what transpired out of that is God was saying to me, you know what? This is the biggest opportunity for you to shine and be better, to be bigger and better than you ever have through this. Because the way through this, Darcy, is not your conventional way of doing it. You are going to love your heart out through this situation. You are going to forgive beyond anything you've ever done. And you're going to turn that cheek every time it gets smacked. And I thought, oh, gosh, Lord, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I'm a weeble wobble. <laughs> but God is doing it, and we're in the thick of it right this very moment. And I have to tell you that, man, does Satan want scar tissue wrapped up. It's almost like it's so much going on that the saran wrap is just, like, winding all around me. And the way we're choosing through this is transforming my understanding about how God is. And I feel like God is saying to me, you know what, I am a prism, Darcy. You've only seen me in these different lights through your life and watched how you've grown through these and watch me again. And it's going to be even better. And he continues to have me reflect on these scriptures he's given me. And they're just a handful they're just a handful of scriptures, but I tell you that they're such powerful scriptures that every time I want to feel sorry for myself or I want to kick someone, I can't. God won't let me do it. He's like, no, 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 you just get on your knees and you're going to ask, you know, you're going to forgive them. I'm like, it sounds so religious and churchy. I don't want to do that. But you know what? I have to. My light doesn't shine if I don't. I can so easily get stuck. And so it's like Bob and I are looking at each other going, you see, you see, right? We're good. We're good, right? <laughs> and the fact that I can sleep at night is kind of the litmus test for me and the Lord that, you know, I'm in good, I'm doing good, right? Lord, do I need to know anything else? And so during this time right now, I feel like it's a radical love piece for me. And I think for my family, because what my daughter is able to witness through this is pretty powerful. We hold nothing back from her. She sees every bit of it, and she's been a part of it. And I'm seeing her grow as a result of how we are handling this situation that is very painful. But I do know that we can do it. I do know that God gives us the capacity and the power 
and the word and your special word, your special word and your special scripture to get you through whatever thing that's keeping you in that stuck place. And the one vision he gave me was this anchor. Like Darcy, he's saying, Darcy, I'm your anchor. Yes, hold on to me, I'm your anchor. And so I keep saying, God, you're my anchor. You're my anchor. And what's going through all my little list of the things I love to read was this, was the lyrics from Beautiful Eulogy, You're the Anchor of My Soul. I tried to have the band sing this, but I think there's too much rap going on in this. <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this verse the way he says it, not as fast, because I've been practicing. <laughs> But it says so much about this life and how we use God as our anchor. Anchor of my soul. This is where Josh Garrell says, anchor of my soul, you sustain. Okay. When I'm, in the, when I'm in the storm, you remain. Lord, you are so good to me. You are so good to me. When it's a quarter past midnight and the gray skies fade to black and the waves splash and set me off track, so my vessel might crash or collapse when I'm attacked and start wrestling in my head with these bad memories from my past, I'm aware of my guilt. Overwhelmed and the smell of my blood has the sharks that surround me cast under a spell. They waited for me to fall. But when I fell, the water got still. And the blood that was spilled protects. It's the same blood that cleansed me. My only defense against is against my nemesis. Now I can rest knowing that nothing can come against me unless the Father gives consent. Evil intentions will not disturb God's purposes or interfere. So whom shall I fear if my anchor is so secure? Learning to consider a pure joy when I'm facing tribulations, praising God instead of complaining and getting overtaken with bitterness, looking at the pages of the book of James and seeing the ways that God works through the trials to make us more mature in our faith. It reminds me how desperate I am in this desert land and thirsty for your mercy and the plan while you give me the strength to stand. You're my greatest pleasure. Yeah, no matter the weather I face, Lord, you never forsake. My fragile life is safe under your sovereign grace. And you're the anchor of my soul, and you sustain me. And you are so good to me, Lord. You are so good to me. At some point, every human looks right in the eye of agony and through the tragedy asks himself, how can this happen to me? You might be the type with enough insight to hold on to your dear life, but slip because your grip is not as tight as you might like. You ain't immune to it, and you're not true to yourself and if you're not true to yourself, then you're not new to it. So when the darkness over trusted in self, lusted and learned to it, so when the darkness overwhelms me and the tide of life rises and swells, it as well is what compels me. When faced with adversity, your truth constantly reminds me that you command the seas with ease, and with words, you're turning wind to breeze. It helps me understand that we stand on solid rock, not on sinking sand. Through the providence of pain and perfect your plan, predestined to be tested with the works, and the words of God cooperate and educate men in the great gift of God and faith. And even though it's obvious when my outlook's ominous, you've bound my heart and my conscience and gave me a constant calmness. So when the pain comes like rain from the parts of life that maintains its strain, I can put my trust in the hands that sustain. It's profound that with all these sinking ships around me, he surrounds me with, and he anchors me, with his grace abounding. And Lord, you're the anchor of my soul. You sustain me. When I'm in the storm, you remain. And Lord, you are so good to me. You are so good to me. You got to know how I created you. 
you got to know that I want you to succeed through everything. I don't want you to be stuck. I don't want you to stay in these broken places and disappointed places, these places that don't look like victory to you. I want you to move past them. And so what we're going to do is we're going to write one of those scar-tissued places, really where you're stuck, where you know you're stuck and you need to move forward. And I want you to place it on the sticky note inside your packet. And after we close with prayer, we're going to have a closing song first, and then I'll pray. And then we're going to place, if you want, on the cross in the back. And you're going to give it away to God. But you're not just going to give it away to the Lord. I want you to absolutely believe that God loves you enough that you're going to get through this. I want you to believe that God loves you so much that he wants victory in this part of your life so you can move forward in this area of your life so he can be glorified in it. Because right now that area is hidden and it needs to be released. So Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this time together. Thank you, God, that your cheer for us is to arise, shine, for our light and your glory rises upon us. Thank you, Lord God, for your word and the power of your word and all that you inspire in us, how you transform us through the power of your word, how you can use our circumstances, too, to grow us, to know you more, to trust you even harder and see the multidimensional love that you have for us. It's not just one way, Lord. It's multiple ways. You showed us through your son, Jesus, how much you love us. Your love carried yourself to the cross for us. We know, God, that you're with us. And I just pray over every person who has whatever thing, anything that's stuck inside them, whatever, whatever wrap, scar tissue is inside the hearts and minds and desires and hopes and dreams inside these women here, Lord God, I just pray that you just release it out of them in the name of Jesus Christ, that you give each and every person their word, their words, their own unique words and scriptures that will take them through where they can carry them with them, that they carry them in their pocketbook just like I carry mine in my pocketbook, knowing, God, that they are mine. And I pray this, Lord. And I just pray everyone's hopes and desires that are plastered on these post-its, Lord, that they will know, God, through the peace that transcends their hearts and their minds, that they can give it to you and you can transform the way they are, they are looking at this situation, that there is freedom, there is freedom around this, that it's time to let it go and to give it to you. And I just pray this over every person, Lord. Give them a new fresh air, Lord, inside their spirits. Give them a new fresh sighting of, your sh of their shine and the glory that rises upon them through you, the power of your love. So we can go out and be the light that's not hidden, that shines on the hill, God. I pray this for every person here. We love you, Lord, so much. And I say these things, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.